You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. The last episode recorded in 2022, and I want to kick this episode off by thanking each and every one of you who have listened throughout the years, hit the subscribe button, told your friends about Socks in the Basement. Thank you so much for our biggest year that we've ever had, the conclusion of year four of this podcast going into year five. Our 500th episode will happen at some point in 2023. Our five-year anniversary will happen at some point in 2023. In May, actually, I think was when the first show was back in 2018. We're up 20% more than we were the year before with uh, our last couple of months being the biggest months that we've ever had, which is surprising because you would think that White Sox fans are sick and tired of the team. Coming out of such a disappointing regular season, going into an offseason in which it felt like they're spinning their wheels, and all I can say is thank you so much for the support that we've gotten here on this show. Yeah, absolutely. It's wonderful you know, to to know that we've got everybody listening, we've got people that... Uh, you know, want to interact with us. We've got people that, you know, agree, disagree, whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever you think you want to think. We just like the fact that you're here to join the discussion with us and, you know, and, and, and help the show along. I, you know, much obliged. I haven't been here for, for all 400 and some odd episodes. I, I, I was a late arrival. Uh, yes, but the show is much better and has far more listeners with you. So you take some credit, my friend. It's okay for you to puff the chest out just a little bit, all right? Which means that the checks keep clearing, so uh, you're welcome to all of you that, that have that arrangement with me. I, uh, I'm i going to get to some uh, some phone calls that have been sent in at SocksInTheBasement.com. You can click on the little microphone and leave a message. Uh, we have some comments on the YouTube page that I'll try to get to. I've seen more people subscribing to it. I did mention on the last show that we're going to try to start getting to some videos here in, in 2023, and we'll try to clear out some of the phone lines and stuff like that for you on this show, which is brought to you proudly by Family Waterproofing Solutions for Boeing Walls, Window Wells, Foundation Crack Repair, some pumps, uh, you name it, they protect your foundation. They do a wonderful job. And if you mention Saks in the basement, you get money off. Give them a call 24-7 at 708-330-4466. Your basement's best defense is familydry.com. Uh, Family Waterproofing Solutions joined us in the middle of the pandemic. And they were one of the big reasons that this show was able to continue to produce episodes and it continued to grow the way that it did. It didn't interrupt the the flow. This show doesn't really sell koozies and keychains and, and memorabilia and stuff like that. We actually just hand it out when we go out to events. And a lot of that money comes from the sponsorships that you hear here on this show. Family Waterproofing Solutions is actually no longer going to be the sponsor in 2023. They're moving over to Southside Pod, from what I understand. Okay, so they've decided they want to move to another show on the network. They're very happy with Socks in the Basement. They're moving over. It took me like all of three days to secure the new sponsor for 2023, and we will announce that sponsor before the show is over. So Family Waterproofing Solutions remains in the broadcast basement family. Uh, Very happy, and they've been with us now for years. The new sponsor to be announced. And, and yeah, still a company that we, uh, yeah, we urge you to work with and still guys that have oh, yeah. come a long way with the show. And they're great. Hey, uh, yeah, you know, great people over there. So 
Uh, but you know what? They they want to uh, they want to back another show that they feel like reminds people of uh, flooded basements. So that's the Southside Pod. <laughs> well, I think I think Ken thinks it's funny. Ken and Maria are the owners over there, uh, husband and wife. And uh, Ken's a veteran, and he's got a certain sense of humor. And I think he thinks Southside Pod's hysterical. Well, it, it is. It, it is a funny show. It's a funny show. All right. What I want to do today is I want to look at other teams in the American League Central at their depth charts, at the way that their their lineups are set up, their projected lineups, their projected rotations, and be critical of them. So should, should we start the restart the show and pretend like we're twins in the basement and <laughs> like, Royals in the basement? Well, here's the thing. Like, like, we're always critical of our own team. And trust me, it's well-deserved. Front office is a disaster. Uh, thank you for Andrew Benintendi, but you make me nervous every day we go without an actual press conference. Like, I'm starting to become worried at this point. Let's have some fun looking at other teams at the end of the year. Yeah, let, let's let's be critical of everybody else in the in the division. I like this. I like this idea. We'll start at the bottom. Uh, you know, Royals or Tigers, you take your pick, Ed. What do you want to look at here first? Oh, let's, uh, let's start with the Tigers. Okay, let's start with the Tigers. I would rather have started with the Royals. Well, here's why. The, the Tigers is going to be a short discussion. They suck? Is that why? Yeah. They're full of That's, holes. They they're are really not good. Full of problems, okay? Look, this is not a White Sox fan bias because Javier Baez was on the Cubs. Javier Baez is an all-or-nothing, swing-through-the-pitch-try-to-kill-it type ball player, and he makes some really good defensive plays, and I wouldn't hate him on my team as a second baseman. I, re- I really wouldn't, but they basically have him lined up right now, I think, to play short this year. I don't know if he's the greatest shortstop in the world. He's definitely not a good bat, and he I don't think that he's he's the answer to a team. And when I look at this team, I see a lot of guys that have a couple of things they do well, but they're not very well-rounded. Like Austin Meadows is a platoon player. Th- that's how Tampa Bay used him. He always sits against left-handed pitching. He's not even going to be in there against righties if you're using him properly. Kerry Carpenter is the same way, lining up as their DA. Right. He's, you, he's a platoon guy, an all-or-nothing guy. Miguel Cabrera. I, I don't know that, that he's he's a starter anymore. Well, at, at he's, he's, on, he's on their bench, but I mean, like, look, great player. But that's not something that's going to lead you anywhere, right? No, I, he's not enough anymore. They're, they're really their they're best. Who's their best hitter right now is maybe Riley Green or Spencer Torkelson if they live up to the prospect type. Well, right? that's what that is. It's, a, it's prospects that haven't done anything yet. I mean, Torkelson hit 203 last year. 203. I mean, and it wasn't like he was getting on base a lot. He had a 285 OBP and he slugged 319. And, you know, I mean, there's more holes in this lineup than the White Sox. It's very easy for me to look at the Tigers and say, not a threat. Right. Well, the other thing, too, is that their rotation is just it's bad. Their bullpen is not good. I, there, there's really just nothing there. There's not enough talent there to, to say that they're going to mount a challenge. What they are going to be, I'm sure, is that team in the division that screws somebody up because they show up and that's the series where Javier Baez hits like five home runs. Right. And that's, that's the series where Torkelson runs into a few of them or something like that. It, it's going to be, they're going to be that team. Here's the thing. Their ace is Eduardo Rodriguez and he is not an ace on a good team. He's a three or a four. Yeah. He on was, a, on he a was good what, Boston three right? or four. M- Michael Lorenzen is, is like middle of the rotation in their projections, which shows how bad things are because he's the kind of guy that other teams have used as a swing man. They don't have anything that scares me. They're just the kind of team, you're right, that could show up, and if everything matches up well, and there's a couple players on a hot streak, could beat you two out of three games. 
And, and they, they're an any given Sunday team in baseball is what they are. They're the team that could show up all of a sudden and surprise you. But in the, in the long run in this race, no concern about them whatsoever. Let's move on to Kansas City. Can we just do that? Yeah, let's just do that. I, I like Kansas City's youth. I think they have exciting players. I'm a big fan of Michael Massey over at second base. I think you Sal Perez still has a lot going on. MJ Melendez can hit bombs and is eventually going to be the catcher on that team. And it must be nice to have that all lined up for them. Bobby Witt Jr. I think is going to end up being a really good player, but they don't have, they're not they're They don't have the talent all ready to go yet. Right. Like they would need every single one of their guys. We, we laugh about the White Sox needing a bunch of bounce back years. They need every prospect. The Royals need everybody. They right. need everybody to up their game. again. Everybody's got to come out to the high end of their projection for them to be a threat. And, and that's where they don't make me nervous either. They also don't make me very nervous when Jordan Lyles is your ace. Yeah, their their rotation is going to be is 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 not good. It's disgusting. Jordan Lyles, Brady Singer is bad. Ryan Yarbrough is one of those Tampa Bay guys that it he's mystifying when he's a rave. When he's on any other team, he's just a guy. Um, Brad Keller has never been much of anything, and Daniel Lynch is the other guy that they have projected. And Lynch has been disappointing given his his prospect status and pedigree. But really, this team, what scares me about them is is that Melendez, Witt, Vinny Pasquantino, uh, to a certain extent, Drew Waters and Nicky, maybe, I, I don't know if I'd put Nicky Lopez in there, but these are guys, Michael Massey, these are guys that that have only had their cup of coffee. They've, they've just had their early stage run, and so we have not seen their top end yet. So we don't know what the Royals lineup could be, and based on what the talent level was for these guys in the minors. This could be one of those lineups that's just really hard to get through. And if you don't have your a game as a pitcher, they could knock you out and not have to worry about whether or not you can touch Brady singer's sinker. Uh, because frankly, you know, you're already down eight, nothing in the second inning. Well, I would think that White Sox fans would look at their roster and think to themselves, well, I, I would love to have some of those players. And it's because at positions where the White Sox are lacking, they have talent, right? Like you, you, you would take a Bobby Witt Jr. or a Mike Massey to come and play second base, right? You, you'd be like, oh, yeah. yes, I would yes, love yes, MJ yes. Melendez, like ready to take over for Yasmani Grandal or even having Sal Perez as my starting catcher, right? So like where, where deficiencies are for the White Sox. I mean, Pasquantino hit what, 295 last year with a 450 slugging, 383 on base percentage. He's a left-handed bat. We have way too many first base DHs. So he doesn't exactly fit, but you could make the argument like, I, I don't know, maybe I'd like to have him on, on my team somewhere in there based upon well, what it, the White it, Sox take have. Take him or Gavin Sheets. Right, but here, here's the thing. Here's the flip side. I would take the White Sox outfield right now just hands down over them. I would take the White Sox rotation every single day and twice on Sunday over their rotation. I mean, the thing that stands out to me, and this probably doesn't make a lot of sense to everybody, but let me just try to put this in perspective. Uh, we're in a dynasty fantasy baseball league, right? There's there's 10 teams in it, and you have 40-man rosters. So you're trying to find all the talent you can. There's 400 players that are rostered in our league at any given time. I don't think anyone of the five projected starters on the Royals are rostered on any team in our league right now. That's how little people think of them currently or even as a future player. I, I do have Brady Singer on the roster. I do have Brady Singer on the roster only because somebody else in the league has offered to, to potentially trade for him. 
So if I can get something useful out of him, I'm going to take that chance when we have our winter meetings. Uh, but is he a guy that I'm relying on in any stretch? No, he's he is purely... You're holding on to him because he was a first-round pick in 18, and you're thinking maybe he becomes something. And because last year he had a decent run. I mean, he did have a 323 ERA. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't... I don't have his whip in front of me, but he had figured a little bit out, and, and he did okay, but he's not... Brady Singer is not the equivalent of, say, Lucas Giolito, Michael Kopech, or Dylan Cease. Well, let's okay? say that, let's say he has a great year. Even if he has a great year, he's one guy and there's four nothings. Right, well, and, and that's part of it, and, and he's not a high strikeout guy. Brady Singer isn't an ace. He's a pitch-to-contact guy. So really what you're saying is the best starting pitcher that the Royals have really probably is effective because they have an infield defense where they're basically playing – three shortstops at any given time because their third baseman is Alberto Mondesi, who is a shortstop by trade. Nicky Lopez is a shortstop by trade. And then Bobby Witt is a shortstop by trade. So they have a great infield defense potentially with a lot of range there. So a guy like Singer who pitches to contact and gets ground ball outs, his effectiveness I think is tied to the fact that for the first time last year, they rolled out lineups that could catch the ball on the infield and weren't relying on Hunter Dozier who – is kind of a Dr. Strange glove at third for them to to try and get outs and stuff like that. So, yeah, the Royals don't scare me because if you asked me to put Brady Singer into a playoff rotation, I wouldn't. And remember when the season starts and we get to see all these teams come in from the AL Central and play your White Sox, the place for pregame, postgame, in-game, Pork and carry at the park, 33rd and Princeton. A vast array of wine, spirits, and beers on tap. Incredible food, award-winning burgers, ballpark favorites, a great price, and a great place to hang out with your fellow White Sox fans. And don't forget all winter long, actually all year long, Cork and Carry in Beverly, the traditional Irish pub. 10614 Southwestern Avenue, both locations available to you. Book them for your next party or get together. And I'm going to take this opportunity right now to welcome in the new sponsor, the returning sponsor of Socks in the Basement, Cork and Carry at the Park, the home of the podcast for fans by fans. Socks in the basement, you know we're going to be out there all season long. I love the fact that we're back together again, you know? I mean, it, it, it started with Cork and Carry at the Park. It continues now with Cork and Carry at the Park as the official sponsor of Socks in the Basement, Shadow of the Ballpark, 33rd and Princeton. Very, very excited about that. Can't wait. Even Hailstorm Brewing, uh, another advertiser here on Socks in the Basement, on tap over there. So now I want to look at the Twins because we'll get to the Guardians last year. And when I run down their roster, let's just pretend we're twins in the basement here. Twins in the basement. <laughs> if we're twins in the basement, we're having the same conversations, I think. As, as we are as, 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 as socks in the basement. Right. I feel like we're having a lot of the same. Like we're looking at Byron Buxton. And we're saying if only he could stay healthy and be what he should be. Right. He'd be a star. And the same thing with with Max Kepler. We're saying the same thing with him. We're saying the same thing with Alex Kirilov, where we're sitting there going, when is this guy going to... I mean, Kirilov is their Aloy Jimenez, right? He he could be this great power hitter, but he, he can never stay healthy. Right. And we're also looking at guys like Kyle Farmer now, who's projected to be their shortstop. And we're thinking to ourselves, was it only because he was in Cincinnati that made him good? 
Like, that's the question that we're having. Right. We're looking at Jose Miranda and we're saying, okay, he's a prospect. Is he going to turn into something? And you're looking at Joey Gallo and you're thinking about that right field jet stream where when you go to that stadium, it's it's essentially street level with buildings running out away from home plate, if I remember that right. And it creates that that jet stream. It was built in the time of Joe Maurer and Justin Morneau because left-handed power hitters would benefit from it. And you're thinking he's going to hit some absolute bombs, but he's still going to hit 200. And is that going to be something you're going to be able to accept? And so when, when you're looking at their lineup, I think that you're, I mean, you're looking at Luis Arias and you're saying he's an extremely valuable, very good player. And hopefully his average stays up high, which is a lot of things that we, we think about when we talk about uh, Tim Anderson, right? I mean, exactly. it, the, the two of them battle for, for the batting title when they're both healthy in the American League. I, I mean, you could almost sit there and say Luis Arias is Tim Anderson. Byron Buxton is Luis Robert. Uh, Jorge Polanco is better than anything we're going to roll out at second base anyway right now. <laughs> But, you know, Max Kepler is is essentially Gavin Sheets. Jose Miranda is Andrew Vaughn. I mean, it, it's almost like they could play each other in a sitcom about these two teams. Yeah, they're 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 similar teams. It's, it, they really are some similar teams. I mean, I don't know if I'd want to go into the into the season the way that they're projecting it. They're saying Nick Gordon's the DH. They're hoping that's Kirilov. They're hoping, that Kirilov, they're hoping Kirilov is healthy at, yeah. and another left-handed bat that can come in and hit the ball deep. Okay, because they want to be you want to have a lot of lefties that can hit well in that home ballpark because the ball is going to carry the ball is going to carry out the right field. And it was designed that way. That's why the stadium was built the way the stadium was built. Any smart general manager walks in there and needs left handed bats that can hit home runs because it's going to be a benefit to your team. Yeah, I know y'all down that White Sox basement. I know you down there. I want to say Happy New Year. Uh Christmas and Happy New Year. That phone call, any phone call, any guest that comes into Socks in the Basement brought to you proudly by the Village of Lamont. Want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks, and green spaces filled with adventure. Visit the Village of Lamont, shop, dine, drink, explore, and check out all they have going on this weekend for New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, and more at LamontDowntown.com. That was a pretty good call. Didn't get weird at all. Last two weeks, it was talking about Chris Sale, and I saw a post just a few minutes ago about Chris Sale, and uh, Duh, duh, I'm going to give it to him. I'm going to give it to him. Last show of the year. Let's go get Chris Sale. I mean, the Sox in no way are going to get Chris Sale, but uh, sure, sounds like a good idea. All right, let's get back to the Twins, and let's talk about their starting rotation. I'm going to say the same thing, really, that I'm going to say. Not, it's not as bad as what the Royals are. It's not as bad as what uh, the Tigers have. But the Twins don't have what the White Sox have. They, they just, I, I, at the top end, I, we have Dylan Cease and they don't. You know, I, I, I think Mike Clevenger is going to have a better season than four of the guys out of the five on this roster. I, I put money down on it. I sit there. Oh, and, absolutely. Right? Well, look at the rotation. Sonny Gray. People remember Sonny Gray as an ace, but he's 33 years old. He's had a lot of injury history. You can ignore his stint with the Yankees because it just didn't pan out for him. But Sonny Gray is not Dylan Cease, okay, by any stretch of the imagination. Joe Ryan is another guy. He's he's more of a pitch-to-contact guy. He's not going to be a high strikeout guy. So, again, this is, this is a quote-unquote potential ace who's really a number two or number three guy because he's more of an innings dude, okay? He's a little bit more Cueto- than he is, you know, Sonny Gray even. 
And Tyler Molly has been just ridiculously inconsistent in his career. He's coming off of injury. Kenta Maeda is coming back from Tommy John. This is that year when he is probably going to struggle. Plus, given his age, there's not a not a guarantee he's coming back. He's coming back ever, really. So it, you're left with Bailey Ober and whatever they have in the in the minors. And Ober is coming off a year where he pitched 56 innings. He wasn't a full time starter. So you're you're not looking at a, a starting five that is an established good starting five, even though four of those names are guys that you might have heard of or even guys that the White Sox had discussed in the past where you're sitting there going, well, we wanted Sonny Gray, so why why would you be trashing him now? I'm not trashing him. I'm just saying Sonny Gray, good guy to have as your three or four, not as your ace. Kenta Maeda, not an ace anymore, maybe never even going to be a major league pitcher again. Tyler Molly, not an ace, probably a four or five guy given his inconsistencies. Joe Ryan, it's probably a solid two. That's they got a, they got a solid two there, but he's not a he, again, he's not a guy that I sit there and go, I'm putting Joe Ryan in to win me a playoff game cuz he's just going to go through a lineup and dominate. It's it's just not the way it's going to work with that rotation. I think the thing that we've learned about the three teams that we've already talked about in the AL Central, the the Royals, the Tigers and the Twins, is that when you look at their rotation and you compare it to the White Sox, you go, "Give me give me any series with our best against their best and I'm going to feel good." That we just have we have we have a better rotation. Our rotation, when I sit there and compare the White Sox to the teams that are going to be challenging for World Series, all right, we 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 still have holes. I would have liked to have seen them go out and do more than just sign Clevenger. I, I would like to feel more confident in what they're bringing. Oh yeah, out there. I, I, I'm not I'm not sold on the rotation as a championship. Rotation. If I'm going to look at the other the other rotations that we talked about so far, I can't find one in there that even compares to Dylan Cease. They they don't have an ace or or the upside of Kopech or or the potential history of Lucas Giolito or what I would say is the even the still the potential of uh, Lance Lynn, right? I I didn't even mention Lance Lynn. I mean Lance Lynn is a guy who if he's healthy and he's taking care of that big frame of his and he shows up, there's another one. They don't have a guy like that. None of these teams have a guy like Lance Lynn. So yeah, th- this rotation. that the White Sox have is so much better than what those three teams are bringing out and pitching matters, especially in the long haul. Again, it always, it always matters. Can you stay healthy? But it's very easy to shoot holes in these, in these teams. The team that it's hard to shoot as many holes in is the team that, that won the division last year. Uh, The the guardians aren't a joke. No, this is, this is a team on the rise, right? It isn't entirely because Tony La Russa was a terrible manager and that the roster wasn't put together properly by Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams, that the Guardians won the division last year. The Sox definitely gave them more of an opportunity, but they were going to be a good team all year, and now they're a year removed from it. You you actually know what some of these young players are, and unless there's a drop-off from players that played well, who could very well continue to develop and get better, this team is more dangerous. And I'll start this time around with the rotation because Shane Bieber is a legit starting ace pitcher. Oh, yeah. Okay? And so they have that. Tristan McKenzie has pitched extremely well, and, and he had a very good year last year. And you sit around, you look at, well, what could Kopech be? Well, Tristan McKenzie is is a valuable, good pitcher. Cal Quantrill's a good pitcher. Aaron, Aaron Savali, I, I don't know, that was an off year last year. He had a lot of injuries. Here's what worries me about Aaron Savali is he was a very good pitcher and he was a very solid pitcher, especially as a three or four starter. Okay. On a rotation that has championship aspirations. 
He had wrist, finger, and shoulder problems last year, and that's a lot to overcome for any pitcher. And he still tried to fight through some of it because the Guardians are in contention. If he's healed up and he goes back to being what he was, now you're four deep. Socks in the basement listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the south side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. If, if I'm a Guardians fan, I'm 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 happy with my rotation right now. Especially because Zach Plezak, who we didn't even mention, right, is a guy that you know, as of a couple of years ago, teams were looking at going, this guy, this guy's really got something too. And not just because he's Dan Plezak's nephew. Um, so it, you really, you have a starting five right there that I, I think as a Sox fan, I would sit there and say, if any one of them landed in this rotation, I'd be good with it. This is a real rotation. And so if I'm, if I'm a Guardians fan, I'm satisfied with my starting rotation going into the season. And I don't think that they got too overworked in the postseason either. That can happen when a team goes really deep into the postseason. Uh, you know, they they win in in two games against Tampa Bay, and then they go five games and lose in five to the Yankees. And it, it's not like they went all the way through. Their guys should be ready to go. I'd be really confident about it. And then when I look at their their lineup, they, they, they also may have. We didn't really talk about the Twins bullpen, which might be sneaky good, but. It's possible that the Guardians have the best closer in the American League. I know White Sox fans I, I, don't he, want to hear he that. Is, I know I, all the love to Liam Hendricks at this point, but ooh, I, that's it's hard to compete with 42 saves, a 136 ERA, and a guy who's throwing consistently 100 miles an hour. I mean, Hendricks is not quite fireballing at that at the level that 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 Emmanuel Clase. Instead of going to Target, you're going to Target. It's Emmanuel Clase, not Clase. 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 So he's, he's not Clase. He was worth more. He was worth more wins above replacement than Liam Hendricks last year. So, yeah, I think that's a fair thing to say. Yeah. So you, you got that. Now looking at their lineup. Let's take it from the, from the stance of if I'm a Guardians fan. Right. Josh Bell being added into the lineup makes me happy because I already watched this lineup play well. You didn't tinker with the lineup too much. You brought in a guy that you don't really need to rely on his defense because he's probably the DH. He's not, he's not really taking anybody's job. I don't think that's what the plan is for him. Well, even if he plays first, all you're doing is moving Josh Naylor to DH or Josh Naylor to the outfield. They could be doing that, but here's the thing. What, what, however they decide to play it, and he is kind of a defensive butcher, but wherever they decide to play him, he, he had a really good season before he went to the Padres. And sometimes when a guy gets traded midseason into a new situation, into a new locker room with a lot of pressure, 
it doesn't work out as well as if he would have started the season with that team. So if I'm a if I'm a Guardians fan, I'm saying if he could be just his median, he's a he's a great addition to your team. And it, as it and you have to think if you're a Guardians fan, you're coming off of winning the division. You beat the White Sox like a drum all year. You aren't afraid of the White Sox in any way whatsoever. The White Sox choked constantly against you last year. Okay, May 9th. That's my birthday. I remember watching that birthday game and the Sox up by all those runs. And then the Indi- and, and then the Guardians come roaring right back. And that's that's how they feel about you. So if I'm a Guardians fan, I'm like, my rotation's going to be better just because Zavale is going to not have all the injuries and we're just good. And we added Bell into our lineup and we may not even be done yet. And we're the champs. And we took the Yankees to five. My focus isn't even on the Central. I'm winning the Central. Look at the right. Sox. They have injuries. They've got a lot of guys who are supposed to be really great, but have they ever put it together for a full season? Like, if if they're doing the same exercise over there in the in the fictitious Guardians in the basement, and they're doing and they're they're trying to guess how they would feel as Sox fans, they're probably feeling very confident right now. So I mean, like that's the I thing. Would I can, too. Yeah, I, I can look at the other three teams and I can sit there and I can rip them apart. I, I kind of look at the I look at the Guardians and I try to find problems with them. And the only problems I can find is, well, will we stay healthy? And were any of the years that we got from these young players um, not real? Yeah, and, and that's that's the thing. It, that's maybe their Achilles heel is 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 Stephen Kwan at age twenty five coming off a rookie year real? Is Ahmed Rosario as good as he was last year, or is he closer to? You know, being the guy with the Mets that wasn't quite good enough. Andre Jimenez the same way. Josh Naylor the same way. Uh, you know, because he showed some platoon issues. I think Jimenez um, is good. I, he's a. He's I, 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 I think I he's too. actually. Good. I, I'm not really worried about. I this, think but he's going to get questions. better. I think he gets better for them. I think he I think actually Quan does. gets better too. Right. I, I know. I know you're betting on that in fantasy baseball because he's. Well, not, I, I'm not not just for fantasy baseball purposes, but the guy the the guy is his profile lends himself to be Tim Anderson, Luis Arise going after the batting title type of guy, and he's coming off of a rookie year where he hit 298. He had a prolonged slump in the middle of it, too. So their big hole, as we're looking at fan graphs, is Mike Zanino as catcher, but if you go down to their bench, Bo Naylor, who's Josh's brother, is actually one of their top prospects, is a very good hitter, and is a guy that they're expecting to kind of step in and have the same kind of rookie season that, say, Stephen Kwan did or Oscar Gonzalez did, or, you know, as they continue to churn and bring guys up, you know, I've talked about this before. You know, I, I know we've had listeners say, why would we want to be like the Guardians? Well, drafted, traded for young player, amateur free agent, uh, draft pick, draft pick, draft pick on their bench, including Will Brennan, who could be one of their outfielders. You have this stuff where they add Josh Bell, who is not necessarily the highest level of free agent, and we're sitting here going, kind of completes the lineup, doesn't it? It did. You know, really brings, he's the rug that brings the room together. And can the White Sox pee on it? That's the question. And if I'm if I'm the Guardians, if I'm a Guardians fan, I'm bullish on Josh Naylor. Me personally, I kind of hope that that w- that's the guy that isn't real, right? Because he said he's obnoxious and I, I don't like I, him. The, the, like, the rock the baby thing. <laughs> and, I, yeah, I, all that. He's yeah, obnoxious and I don't like him. And right. what he did to the Sox last year, like I just I wish nothing but bad for him. Like I want him to go into a horrible slump. You know, I want his girlfriend to break up with him right as he's about to propose. I want it to get in his head. Like, I want horrible things for Josh Naylor because he's just such a jerk on the field. And he's on our rival team. I know that's wrong. I know I should feel bad about it. I mean, you know what he reminds me of? Remember that uh, that, that Adam Sandler movie 
where the O'Doyles are always going by and they're all yeah. yelling O'Doyle rules. What is that, Billy Madison? Okay, and he's like, oh, O'Doyle, I feel like you and your whole family is headed for a fall, right? That like That's how I feel yep. about Josh Naylor. I, him and Bo Naylor. You know, you, you the, the Naylors are headed for a fall. That's what you kind of hope for. Right, but if we're hosting Guardians in the basement, you we're love wearing it. Josh Naylor jerseys right. and rocking the baby and the whole nine <laughs> yards, baby. I look at it as the Twins are a contender that you should be better than. If you're not, it's a massive disappointment. There, If you're a Twins fan, you feel like you've got a puncher's chance, but you wish that it was better than it is right now, and you're probably making a lot of the same complaints and, really and worries as the White Sox. Team. Right. The Royals have youth, but they're not going to be there yet. The Tigers have all kinds of holes, and things aren't working out the way that they wanted them to at this stage, and that's fine. Let them stay back there, and the Guardians are real. And, and you hope that the White Sox see that because I think that's my biggest fear as I get to the end of this year. My biggest fear is that the White Sox look at the division and say, well, it's a weak division. And all we got to do is play up to our potential. And the Guardians are never going to get better. And the Guardians are are going to get better. OK, I don't think that they're resting on their laurels and just expecting that, they, well, the White Sox won't do anything. Right. I think that this I think they as an organization are they're going to be the team that we've got to fight this year, next year. And 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 it's not going to be just an easy walk. Uh, you know, as much as people say that it's always a down division, it's not going to be an easy walk. Is, this is not, this is not, oh, we got rid of Tony and all of a sudden we're going to go win this thing. I'm not saying that we can't. I'm not saying it can't be a fun season. I, I think the first month is going to mean everything to this team, right? Get out hot. If you're not out hot, it's going to be miserable. Yeah, it's going to be hard to play catch up against the Guardians no, if it they is. get out hot. It's going to really matter what you do against them. That's the target right there. Don't get yourself uh, surprised by the Tigers or the Royals. Uh, you know, take care of business against the Twins and hope that uh, they just they, they have more problems than you have because they have a lot of the same worries. And be ready because it's going to have to be a fight if you're going to take this division from the Guardians. And hope that Josh and Bo Naylor's dad hits a banana peel in his wagon and goes over the <laughs> side of the cliff. <laughs> Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com.